0: Welcome back to the Travelling Music Therapist podcast, my name is Yuki and I am a registered music therapist living in Western Australia. In today's podcast I talk to Catherine Wilmot who definitely fits the profile of a Travelling Music Therapist. She is the State Manager for Sing and Grow for WA and South Australia and often visits Brisbane as well for her work Um, and so I'm very excited to talk to her today, I hope you enjoy this podcast. the Travelling Music Therapist. I'm here with Catherine Wilmot today. Thank you so much for joining me, Catherine. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Um, so today, um, could you just share with our listeners what kind of work you currently do?
1: Okay, currently, I actually manage the Sing and Grow program for WA in South Australia, yep. which is really working with uh, families that are vulnerable mm-hmm. um, or marginalised for a whole range of reasons um, with children under school age and working with them in predominantly group music therapy mm-hmm. to provide families with opportunities for attachment and really developing um, parenting confidence as well. Um, so I I only do a little bit of clinical work now because um, yep. I've got amazing staff <laughs> which working I'm p- for me. I'm part of. Yes, yes, Yuki's one of them.
0: Yes, so um, I've been working for about a year now on yeah, a contract with yeah. Sing and Grow. Into your coming it's been into great. your second year, yeah, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm.
1: And so basically, um, yeah. So having I've got um, three of you that are doing between two and three days a week. Yep. Um, and then I've got two staff um, and a contractor in South Australia and so really my work now is more supervision
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and management and I get to do the occasional workshop with families and stuff like that to keep my hand
0: in but I'm actually finding I'm really enjoying stepping up to that next level yeah yeah Yeah. you were saying so um, Catherine actually came to visit one of my sessions, my Sing and Grow sessions that I was running yesterday. Yes. So she got to sort of step in and see how I was doing and mm. just give out some advice as well. So, yeah, yeah no, we're really um, fortunate in WA that we have enough therapists now that we can have, you know, the therapists working, but also a supervisor yes. to overlook all of us. Yeah. How big would you say is the whole National Sing and Grow team oh, is
1: now? wow. It's... Um... Well, it runs in every state mm. and territory.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm.
1: and there's a, a manager that for, for two states mm-hmm. each time. So, there's a manager for New South Wales and ACT, one mm-hmm. for Queensland and Northern Territory, yep. one for Victoria and Tasmania, and myself for WA and South Australia. Yep. And for each state, X and territory, well actually for each state, so not ACT, not Northern Territory, mm-hmm. there's also a clinical specialist employed to mm-hmm. run the programs yeah. and run the services because we that's government funding. Mm-hmm. And then we've got other clinical specialists um, doing other contracts and we've got contractors doing programs all over. Mm-hmm. So I think we've okay. currently got oh, about 70 or 80 on our books of music therapists.
0: Oh, how exciting. Yeah, not
1: everyone's working all at at the same time Yeah, 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 but um, we actually redid we'd hit you were number 100. I
0: was, yes. last year yeah. when I was employed,
1: I was number 100. And so, but it's what happened exciting. was we sort of realised, oh, we went through the list and we went, oh, well, there's a lot of people that aren't actually working with Sing and Grow now. Mm-hmm. So we honed down the list. But now it's sort of like, oh my goodness, we're getting close to the 100 again. This really? is really, yeah. Wow.
0: So it's pretty huge,
1: which yeah. is really, really exciting. It just shows
0: how much um, music therapy in general is growing in Australia. S- But because um, with Sing and Grow, a lot of our work is funded by the government now, um, which is very exciting. Oh,
1: absolutely, and the fact that the government has been funding um, Sing and Grow Mm -hmm. since 2001, um, and nationally since 2005, Mm -hmm. and that's round after round after funding. That is different governments, Mm -hmm. different policies, um, but they've seen the value Mm -hmm. of what we do. and seeing that we actually deliver.
0: Yeah. Has it always been the Department of Social
1: Services? Yes, although yep. the Department of Social Services <laughs> has changed names. Oh, I see. <laughs> over okay. the years yep. it was yep. it was Family and Community Services, so FACS, and then yep. it became FACSIA because they included Indigenous oh, Affairs.
2: Okay.
1: Yep. Then they added an H for Housing. <laughs> then it became <laughs> then it became DSS, Department of Social Services yep. and Indigenous Affairs now comes under the Department for Premier and Cabinet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, oh, but it's been effectively the same department. Yeah, same department. All yep. through, yeah. Oh, so wonderful. Work, so, early intervention yep. work with families.
0: That's amazing. Out of the, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of music therapists there are in Australia now, yeah. a good portion of them are Sing and Grow. Yeah, or, or have worked at
1: one time <laughs> with Sing and Grow. Yeah. I know when, because I joined Sing and Grow as a contractor mm-hmm. back in 2005, And that was the first time I, by that stage, I'd been working, what, 12 12 or so years Mm -hmm. as a music therapist. And it was the first time I actually had the opportunity of a supervisor. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, at the time, she wasn't in WA,
2: um,
1: but just having someone, I could pick up the phone and go, you know what, there's this issue with this family. I'm not quite sure I'm Mm -hmm. doing it, you know, processing it right, or I need to have a sounding board Mm -hmm. um yeah it was the first time i'd had that and that was just amazing it was so exciting and so i love the fact that i can actually do that for others now yeah so yeah no
0: it's great i think um supervision is a big part of our job um Mm. in music therapy or any sort of therapy services you really do need a supervisor um you know not just to help you help guide you but just to debrief at the end of a not stressful it could be like an overwhelming day but there's a lot mm. of things happening in our work
1: oh definitely. absolutely and one of the things that I learned um is that I stopped being surprised not because I'm not surprised I, I guess like I expect my expectations to be challenged <laughs> every time I'm working yep. with a new group of clients yep. um you know I you think that you've stopped having assumptions, and then you realize, oh, I had an assumption about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, so if you, you realize that there's a new challenge mm-hmm. every single time. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, we continue to grow. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Continue
0: to sing and grow. Yes. <laughs> so, and play. Yeah. And play. <laughs> um, so, I was wondering if you could share with us how you found out about music therapy and how you came to decide that this is what you wanted to do. Oh, wow.
1: That's going back a long time now. <laughs> I was 14. Mm. Um, that's I, amazing. Yeah. 14. 14. I was... I was not thinking about a career <laughs> at 14. <laughs> I was a um, music student, scholarship student student at Perth Modern, Mm -hmm. um, which for those of you out of WA, at the time it was um, one of two schools that you went to Mm. for music um, as a music scholarship student. And so I knew, so by year nine, I knew that whatever I did, whatever career I had, would have music in it somewhere. but. I wasn't convinced about music teaching mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure that I had the right personality to take on purely performance yep. as yep. a career but I wasn't it's not that I think I don't think at that stage I was like oh, what am I gonna do what am I gonna do <laughs> but what actually happened was my mum had heard something on the radio yep. and it wasn't much <laughs> she just said she just said to me, Oh, I heard about this thing called music therapy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Never heard anything about it. So I, I tried to do a bit of research. Back then there wasn't a lot. But something about it just gelled. Mm-hmm. Um it was, you know, very fourteen year old innocence <laughs> um of basically using music to help people. Yeah. And I felt that it just paired up two parts of my loves and personalities um, perfectly. So I went into the course pretty naively Mm -hmm. but I haven't changed my mind Mm -hmm. um, and I've been working in the field for 23 nearly 24 years now yeah. so um so did you I go over to mind.
0: queensland to do the course? melbourne melbourne okay yeah. so yeah. you melbourne back
1: when up. it was an undergraduate degree yeah.
0: yeah so
1: i was 17 and a half when i moved to melbourne yep and i was wow. there for four years for Four years. so um but yeah i never changed my mind mm-hmm. um it, my eyes were open to mm-hmm. the possibilities yeah but i never changed my mind yeah it just something That's just amazing. got right about actually,
0: it actually a lot of people's uh, a lot of people have said that it was their mum. That hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> um, Isn't so that Dr. Ka- uh, Katrina McFarren, yeah. I talked to her, um, the kids. It- was, yeah, episode two. She mm. said it was her mum. Oh, so
2: really? did Emily.
0: Yeah, Emily that I talked to last week. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think I
1: think our mums know us best oh, in yeah. a lot of ways. Oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> and and our families shape who we are. Like my mum's mm-hmm. a social worker.
0: Okay. Um,
1: yeah. and I used to in the school holidays go mm-hmm. and help out and stuff like that. So I knew that that was just part of who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I think because our mum know us well. But yeah. I think it, it was for her, She, as she said, she never pushed it. Mm-hmm. She never pushed it at all. Yeah. It was just that she'd heard about something that sounded really interesting mm-hmm. and it was me that ran with it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but they knew that that's the way it had to be because I had to be passionate about it. If I was going to go to Melbourne for four years, <laughs>
0: yep. um, leave
1: my family before the age of 18, yeah. um, I had to be passionate
0: about it. It had to come yeah. from me. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Sorry. A big part of um, my decision of becoming a music therapist was because um, I, I had heard about it um, at uni. I was studying my undergrad, and we had a guest lecturer who talked about music psychology, and so that sort of always stuck oh, in, yeah. was stuck in my head, and I just thought, you know, how do I get into music, music psychology? And then I found out about the music therapy course through trying to find oh, a little bit more about that. Yeah. But a big part of it, while I was um, searching it all up, my mum um and my mum's friend so a good friend of ours uh was a physio and she had told me oh i have a client who works as a music therapist and that was you oh my goodness (laughs) my confidentiality is absolutely gone because (laughs) she she said like i can't even remember her name now it was such a long time ago but she's one of the first music therapists in wa And, um, because she practices, her physio was south of the river, and I'm like, oh, well, that's probably Catherine, now that I look back on it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but she was basically saying, like, yeah, yeah, so this lady, she would, um, tell me a little bit about her work, and it just sounds, like, very, um... Just perfect for you, you know. Like, oh, just it cool. fits in really well with your personality, and yep. you know, obviously you've got the musical skills to back you up, and so that was a really big part of my decision. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was your mum's yeah. friend, yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 and because you know, because a close friend of my mum yeah. had known about it, my mum was like, "Oh, okay, yeah," so well, and she, that's, that's, that got her
1: on board too. <laughs> and that's the thing that also, when I look back on it, um <laughs> Susan Hadley. Mm-hmm. Who is Dr. Susan Hadley, and she's yeah. I think she's at Temple yeah. in the US. Yeah, she she's from WA, mm-hmm. and my mum worked with her dad.
2: Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and
1: um, Sue was finishing her course. Mm-hmm. I think her first year out working or well, maybe it was a second year at working, I can't remember, but she just started working in music therapy when I went to do mm-hmm. the course. And um, so I remember, so Sue had, not I, I didn't get a chance to see a music therapist at work yeah. before I started my course, but I knew that there was someone who mm-hmm. was studying. And so I think first year we were supposed to do like an observation prac. Mm-hmm. And that was the one year I came home mid-year and I actually did it with Sue.
0: Mm, okay, yeah. oh wow.
1: Yeah, so that that was, it was good. I wasn't, I was, I think the
0: fourth music therapist mm-hmm. in WA. In WA, yes. ever. Ever, <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, so I was talking to Louise a few weeks ago and she said that when she came over here, it was just you and Linda Blythe working mm-hmm. down in uh, Bunbury.
1: I reckon for about 10 years, <laughs> we never had more than three Music
0: therapist (laughs) at one point. Yeah,
1: and it was really weird. It was like WA couldn't handle more than three music therapists. I
0: was wondering, um, since you've started in WA as a music therapist, how Mm. do you think it's changed?
1: I'd say the biggest change has been the range of client populations Mm -hmm. that we've worked with. Yeah, some of that. I think directly relates to changes that are happening nationwide. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So for example, students coming through and learning about particular areas and becoming passionate about different areas Mm -hmm. are able to actually create work in those areas, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, So I think that because of the more music therapists coming with different passions and different skill bases and and different Mm -hmm. ways of working, um, when I first came, it was special education and aged care, and that mm-hmm. was
0: pretty, pretty much, much it. Pretty much it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's was pretty much it, you know, yeah. e- even private practice was disability.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, now there's a lot more community-based.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> community-based work, um... And I think that's sort of uh, where music therapy in Australia is going as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. And where therapy and where the mm-hmm. whole um,
0: uh, the, the whole
1: the whole the whole sector mm-hmm. is moving towards moving more into community based work yep, yep. Um, and family based therapy yes, and yep. and seeing the family as a whole and not just the client in isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in private practice, I always engaged the families, mm-hmm. but not as much as I do now. Like mm-hmm. now, if when I look back at the work that I did in private practice, um now I would be more likely to have the parent on the floor with me
2: mm-hmm.
1: with the child, yeah. and it would be less of just me and the child. Yeah. And yeah. And more of the family together. Mm-hmm. Um so but that is Sector wide, not just music therapy, mm. but all therapies yeah, yeah. are looking at the family unit definitely. as being integral. Um, yeah, and so you can definitely
0: see that through the um, the way the funding is yeah. um, allocated now as well um, yeah. with the new NDIS. Yep uh, the the National Disability Insurance Scheme. It's all about giving the families the option to manage yes. the funding. And yep. not, you know, having those therapies being allocated to them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's. I think it's a really good direction that it's all going in. I was wondering if you could share with us one memorable music therapy story. So, one sort of. Yep. Memorable case.
1: It's one that um, I often use as an example um, of just. Being tuned in, you might have your plans, you might have your goals, but when you're tuned into the client, sometimes you've just got to put everything aside. Mm -hmm. Um, Before I was involved with Sing and Grow, I did work in aged care, I did work in um, school at special education, Mm -hmm. um, and I also did private practice, and this was a child that had multiple Issues, multiple disability issues. She was quite young, she was only about three. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, to be honest, I can't even remember how the referral came about but what I do remember is she was so young she had no communication possibilities at all and it, she just screamed she was mm-hmm. just terrified and I Asked Mum's permission just to do what I felt
0: mm-hmm. needed
1: to be ha- needed to be done, and Mum was said, "Fine, this mm-hmm. is okay." And I pulled her onto my lap,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I just vocalised, mm-hmm. um, and it was basically matching her distress. Mm-hmm. So I really just—it was that really pre-verbal communication Mm -hmm. and I was just using my vocalizations to say I feel your pain I feel your distress Mm -hmm. Um, and it took 45 minutes of vocalizing yeah um, for her to calm down and but it worked yeah but it worked I was really impressed that mum saw could understand what I was seeing Mm -hmm. and when I look back on it now I think oh my goodness what what did mum actually have to deal with Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in other situations for her to to actually have the patience to sit there and let me work Mm. and to come back the following week (laughs) and I remember the following week when she came in the child obviously had a recognition that okay i was distressed here but that time it only took five minutes to to bring her to To a calm to settle and then we could work and from then on we were able to work together Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but i just remember that as just showing how music has the capacity to communicate at such a deep emotional and psychological level Mm -hmm. that just Pure vocalizing, mm-hmm. but listening to her
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, developed that therapeutic relationship, yeah. and that's yep. all it was. Yeah. Just no building instruments. Building rapport.
0: No instruments, no guitar, no mm. tricks. Yeah. Just. Just using your voice. Just, yeah, that was it. Yeah, no, I think um, in music therapy, we do tend to build rapport maybe a lot quicker
1: absolutely um
0: then if you were trying to do a therapy based purely on just speaking and dialogue
1: <laughs> i used to have a lot of um especially when i was working with special education and a lot of the teachers would say oh my goodness you know you just have an amazing rapport with the kids how do you do it so quickly mm-hmm. i'll say to them it's not me it's the music
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: they associate okay. me with the music yeah um and from then mm-hmm. comes the actual therapy yeah. rapport, but it's I think it's there's there's multiple relationships happening, mm-hmm. and one of the relationships is with the music
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and that's the great thing about um, with our work with music therapy is that you don't rely on the client to have any verbal skills oh. or any communication skills, even you can. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, language skills, like we work a lot with yep. cold families, so culturally and linguistically diverse families yep. um, who often don't have the English skills required to um, have a conversation. But using music is just, uh, it's a universal language.
1: Absolutely, mm. absolutely. I'm, I'm one client that I worked with in special education, um, the teachers, he'd been transferred from another school, and the teachers mm. said, we don't know anything about him except we've been told that he's completely blind, he's completely deaf, and he has no defensive behaviours. Oh my goodness,
2: yeah.
1: And I <laughs> discovered mm-hmm. that he wasn't completely deaf, mm-hmm. and he could actually tune into certain frequencies. Mm-hmm. And he really um, developed an attachment to the kibasa. Mm-hmm. And we also learnt that he had, he could develop he had purposeful movement because mm-hmm. he learnt to reach. For the kibasa, mm. he learnt to play it himself yep. um, with just a little bit of assistance, and the teachers were just astounded because yep. they'd had no indication yeah. that there was something
0: yeah, yeah, actually something there. Yeah. yeah, I've had a client before um, during my student prac. Um, he had cerebral palsy um, mm. and he was nonverbal, and also on his referral, it said that he was blind or at mm-hmm. least partially blind in um, both eyes and this was because he was so young that they couldn't really test it and he was also you know nonverbal, so it was very difficult to test but um he would sort of you know look around the room very quickly without really gazing at anything mm-hmm. and um and obviously they sort of came to the conclusion that he must be blind but over the weeks i worked with him he started building on eye contact, mm-hmm. tracking instruments without actually having them be played.
2: Wow. But first,
0: you know, he he looked at the guitar when I started playing and it was it was sort of like oh you know, he must be looking because he's using his ears. Mm. But it wasn't that at all. He had because music was so motivating and captured his attention he was actually able to build on those tracking skills Ooh. with his eyes and so by the end of our I think we had 10 sessions he didn't look any different from um, you know any yeah. other 3 year old, like just from the way that he was sitting and able to um, keep his eye contact Great. Yeah.
1: Did they see that happening elsewhere? Was the eye contact building yeah, yeah. elsewhere? That's really exciting yeah.
0: His mum was just you know yeah like so excited because mm. she had just sort of had to accept that her th- three-year-old might never look at her you know mm. in the eye and actually be looking at her but that completely changed her world for her yeah. So that's mm. that's
1: amazing and even just from a medical standpoint we know that um it's not just about the physical capacity to see but if we don't actually provide the right environment, the messages mm-hmm. aren't going to the optic nerve mm-hmm. and so you can become functionally blind. Yep. So what was actually happening was that mm. through the music yep. he was actually starting to get those signals yep. into his optic nerve
0: yep.
1: so that he, could, he was actually getting that stimulation mm. so that he did not become functionally blind. Yeah, that was one exciting. of the cases
0: that I really thought Uh, you know, that theory about music and neuroplasticity, how music can really encourage neuroplasticity. So that's just um, new growth within your brain, um, even through damaged areas of your brain. Um, So often with people with cerebral palsy, it's due to like sort of like a stroke happening on very, very early on in life. And um, just seeing that music had helped him grow so much in such a short period of time. It was only about uh, three months at the most that we work together, Mm. Um, yeah, it just goes to show that I think there is definitely, um, you know. a huge thing. Evidence behind neuroplasticity and music.
1: And that's one of the reasons why I (laughs) so love the work we do with Sing and Grow because Mm. we're actually working in those early years Mm. and helping the um, neurodevelopment, um, getting those neurons firing. Yeah. Um, One of the most beautiful examples I saw within Sing and Grow was actually a teen mums group. And one of the mums was actually pregnant mm-hmm. when she started coming along to sessions. She was in her last trimester. And she was great, because we, we talked with her about the fact that she'd reached a stage in her pregnancy that her baby would be able to hear her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, any songs that she sung, the baby would probably recognise after he was born. Um, and so she really got on board with that and would sing and she would tell her partner to rub her tummy and sing Mm -hmm. and then she didn't come on session and then someone said oh she's had the baby so we thought oh that's it she's not going to come back Mm -hmm. and she came back a week later Mm
2: -hmm.
1: with this little baby and her confidence that she developed while being pregnant translated into and watching other mums with their Mm -hmm. babies translated into confidence actually singing and engaging with her baby Mm. right from a newborn and she had the eye contact stuff happening Mm -hmm. and she was singing with him and she was touching him Mm -hmm. and it was like
2: yeah Yeah, (laughs) that
1: that was that's one of those oh yeah good start yeah you know (laughs) we we, we've set mum and bub up on a yeah a good start and she was only 15.
0: wow Mm. okay yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it
1: was wonderful. We we basically helped helped to prevent
0: yeah what could absolutely. have been some of the issues. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. We do do a lot of work in sing and grow with helping uh, mothers and fathers engage yes. with their children uh, in a positive way yes. by using play. Because um, have you heard that quote that uh, music is the language of play? No, I yeah. haven't. I just love that quote because yeah. it just makes so much sense when you um, work with uh, younger children and in music. It's because yeah. all children just get it. They understand. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, they like I was saying before, they don't need to have language or speech skills. It's something that they can mm-hmm. just... click.
1: And they sing and play hmm. spontaneously anyway. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's just really encouraging parents to get, get involved with that play, mm-hmm. get involved with the play at the child's level yeah, um, to help that,
0: that yeah. happen help that relationship build, mm. which is so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Catherine, I wanted to ask you, I thought it might be a fun topic to talk about. Um, has someone asked you, so upon hearing that you're a music therapist, has someone asked you a question that has absolutely nothing to do with the actual work that we do as a music therapist
1: the weirdest one (laughs) was actually are you talking about musical instruments do you give therapy to musical instruments (laughs) and it was like like... (laughs) oh i'm sorry but on what planet would you consider
0: that to be viable (laughs) (laughs) it was just were they trying to be funny or were they just seriously asking i I Maybe. I really tried to work
1: that one out,
2: and
0: I really like.
1: I just looked at them and went, "No, we work with people." Yeah, <laughs> we
0: might use instruments. That's, like, that's definitely a weird one. That, I haven't that, that heard was that weird. Before.
1: And the other one I've never ever forgotten was, I first graduated and mm-hmm. I was first working, and I had someone say, so they're obviously very anti rock and roll, heavy metal, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And they said very seriously, so as a music therapist, you would really agree that heavy metal music is is very, very bad for people. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, how do I answer that without offending him? Mm. And I said, well, I said, that depends on who you're working with. I Mm -hmm. said, because we have to develop rapport with a client for the work, therapeutic work, to happen. Mm-hmm. And I gave the example. I said, if I'm working with a 14-year-old boy who only ever listens to heavy metal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm not going to start playing Mozart. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not
0: sure if he got it. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, it's tough. I'm, I'm sure, you know, most music therapists have come across the people like that, you know, um, because know, it's, yeah. it's very easy to make that assumption. Yeah. My fiancé, he loves hip-hop. Right, But he just loves gangster rap and mm-hmm. just the hard stuff, you know. And it's not music that I particularly like. Like, I've gotten used to it. I can listen to it now without, you know, just <laughs> wincing at the words, being like, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but he he does, um, I guess, use music in a way to calm himself. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it works because it's just what is... Um, you know, for yourself, what works for you. Mm. And I think what people have to realise is that different people make music because they're coming from different, you know, different places. Mm. And um, I think any music is sort of like a representation of someone. And so that is going to work for some people. Yeah. You know, and, um, yeah, so... Obviously, I'm not going to be playing, you know, gangster rap for every single teenager and think, oh, you know, this is what they're going to like, because that's not at all the case. But if they like it. But if they like it, I'm not going to say, no, no, that's bad music. You shouldn't be playing this. You shouldn't be listening to it. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. Where I've heard the really great technique, when you sort of think about stuff that we can actually pick up is quite harmful, Mm -hmm. potentially harmful, working with adolescents is things like, well, yeah, going with the music and developing that rapport but then getting to a point where you can actually start talking about the lyrics mm-hmm. and start talking about and but again not jumping in with an assumption
2: mm-hmm.
1: but actually getting from them yeah. how do they perceive the lyrics because yeah. often they will surprise us
2: yeah
1: um that they're not taking on board what we think of the negative
2: yeah
1: they're actually taking it as oh this is someone letting off steam mm. um and this is mm-hmm. a uh, safe way to let off steam yeah. Yeah. Um, which is really important as well mm. so but as you would know as a, as a mm. therapist sometimes you have to start using styles of music that yeah you've never used before yeah yeah
0: yeah, <laughs>
2: um,
0: yeah we do have to definitely be adaptable <laughs> to all the different kinds of kinds of music
1: yeah Although it's interesting because we don't prescribe music as a general rule, Mm -hmm. but I think um, we also do know what types of music are going to be appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like working with preschool age children with their families, um, we do, there there is a certain style, even you've got nursery rhymes, but there is a certain style to children's music. Mm. Um, There are certain common elements in children's music. It's, yep. it's within a certain range, it's repetitive, mm-hmm. but it's engaging.
2: Yep.
1: Um, and you would notice the number of times when parents feel like forms and one of the things we ask is the child's favourite song.
2: Yeah.
1: And you look at some of the songs and go, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's obvious that mum or dad have been playing the music and the child bops along because it's boppy music. Mm-hmm. And so they think, oh, that's the child's favorite song.
2: (laughs) Um,
1: And then having to explain to parents that that's great and it's so great that they can enjoy that music together. Mm -hmm. But children's music does give something different. Mm -hmm. It gives children the capacity to engage in the song in a more full way. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just trying to get across that message without telling parents, Really? Are you sure it's favourite song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I like that with um, most children's nursery rhymes, uh, you have actions that go along with it yes. or a narrative. And you know yeah. it's a way of children to build up those very basic numeracy, literacy skills, yep. um, which is something we talk about in Sing and Grow. Uh, but I think, yeah, for children, definitely um, not only they enjoy the music, but there's a lot they can learn from it then... For example, if they just listen to a ballad, I mean, you know, they could yeah. probably get the same. They could probably pick up on language skills, but it's not as targeted.
1: They don't. Because... I don't think they understand it, mm. and so they just tune into the music. Yeah, and they like the sound of the actual yeah. melody, mm. the accompaniment, that mm. sort of thing. Um, and
0: there's nothing wrong with that, you know, if yeah. you're just doing it for enjoyment and that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think there's a lot that children can gain from um, yeah. having appropriate
1: our kids loved 80s music yeah because we played it all the time (laughs)
0: yeah
1: and so they like they were like this is really weird all our friends are listening to current music and we're listening to stuff from the 80s (laughs) but we really like it (laughs) but yeah as you said you know they enjoy it but it wasn't until they started getting older that they like started listening to the words and going oh, that's mm. a bit weird, or yeah. what are they talking about? Yeah, I'm a Cause... person who never really listens to lyrics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes I do and I go, oh, I don't <laughs> like that. But adult songs tend to, the language is much more abstract. Mm-hmm. It's much more um, what we think of poetic language. Oh, true. So yeah. it, mm-hmm. it brings a lot of metaphor into it um, mm-hmm. that very young children aren't going to grasp they take things very literally and that's where children's songs are really great because the language is simple Mm. it's teaching them something even some of the early nursery rhymes that we think about and think about the words and go
2: what is this song about
1: Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense Mm um you know things like mary had a little lamb what is that actually about but when you actually look at if you research the history Mm it was actually there was things happening in the world around um, in the Mm socio-political environment that um, it was actually how um, adults helped children to process or how children processed what was going on in their world Mm -hmm. so it doesn't make sense to us because it's totally out of um, historical context. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. But those simple children's rhymes were children making sense of their world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a few um, nursery rhymes that just sort of have that darker side, I guess. Like um...
1: Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Yeah. Is uh, apparently about Mary Queen of Scots. Ah. Oh, okay. um, no. Or, or was it? Yeah, um, yeah, Mary Queen of Scots, um, and basically beheadings and oh,
0: okay. um,
1: and all sorts of weird stuff. <laughs> and yeah. um,
0: ring around a rosy.
1: They it... think that had to do with the plague. Yeah, that was the going plague. Around. It? Yeah, yeah. Because if they got rosy cheeks, mm-hmm. it's was the beginning of getting sick and yep. a tissue, a tissue, the sneeze, and we yeah. all fall down. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's children. Trying to make sense of mm-hmm. what's happening around them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, one that I never really understood was Humpty Dumpty. And... Um, it
1: was because... supposed to be about a particular king. Oh, okay. Actually
0: is about... Okay. So all the
1: king's horses and all the king's men. Yeah. Um, And he's not literally falling off the wall, but it's something that happened to him. <laughs> um, yeah. Something that, you know, you just... Mm. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. it was supposed to be about some
0: sort of king. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? When yeah. uh, being an adult listening to nursery rhymes and just being a child and yeah, enjoying but them. They do, yeah. They're yeah. just enjoying
1: them. Yeah. You know, you do Humpty Dumpty and you're bouncing them on the knee mm-hmm. and doing the bit of the fall and all yeah. that sort of stuff. They're just like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.
0: No, it's a, it's a great one for building motor skills. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's a good one. And
1: for engaging parents mm. in their children's play.
0: Yeah. Um, we might have to wrap it up there. Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for chatting to me, Catherine. No problem, thank you. Yeah, it's great to catch up outside of our Sing and Grow work as yeah, well. yeah,
1: totally. <laughs> totally. And Talk you're presenting
0: uh, that conference yes, soon too. at the AMTA conference. Yes, on yeah. day one. I think you're in yes, the second in the, time slot, I think.
1: Well, the morning. Uh, after the keynote. keynote. Yeah. 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 Yeah, after morning tea. Yeah. So, yeah, which is... Um, <laughs> it's good, actually, because it means I get it out of the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then enjoy the rest yeah. of the conference. Before the conference party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually um, thinking of joining the uh, the awards committee. Oh, cool. Mm. That would be really good. Yeah. That, that
1: would be great. <laughs> yeah, they're always keen for,
0: yeah. for different
1: people. I did that myself. Mm-hmm. I actually did... Um,
0: Cool, yeah, cool part, but... but yeah, so Louise will also be presenting Yes, and um, Emily and I will be over there just enjoying the conference yeah. so yeah, looking forward to yeah. all of that. Um, Catherine, if our listeners had any questions for you, where can they reach you?
1: Uh, probably best through uh, my work
0: email, mm-hmm.
1: um, which is um, Catherine Wilmot, so C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E W-I-L-M-O-T, at Grow, one word Mm-hmm. Great. it's probably
0: the easiest way yeah great and you can always catch me on Facebook on Music Therapy Now and on Twitter but also on YouTube <laughs> Where um, also search Music Therapy Now and um, please go check out all of my other, other podcasts as well available on SoundCloud and iTunes just search The Travelling Music Therapist thanks for listening, bye